Welcome to Still Scared Talking Children's Horror, a podcast about creepy, spooky and disturbing children's books, films and TV. I'm Ren Wednesday, my co-host is Adam Wybray. Today we're talking about the 2006 animated film Monster House. A full transcript of this episode will be available, uh, so check the show notes for that. Enjoy! Adam. Hello. How are you? Uh, I say tentatively. Yeah, I'm not going to give a whole spiel here. Uh, mm. I'm sure I've got a blog for that. You know, hanging in there. I think everyone's struggling at the moment for all yeah. sorts of different reasons. Um, uh-huh. But glad to be doing the podcast um, yeah. and discussing an interesting film. Yes. Um, I agree. Um, there's a lot going on, isn't there? Personally, politically, globally, epidemiologically. Um, yeah, but I'm glad to be here talking to you today. A bit of distraction and, you know. Yeah, same same here. Um, and uh, what we are talking about is Monster House. Um, I know we said at the end of the last podcast we were going to do Creeped Out. And we did want to do that, um, but uh, could not, for the life of me, find a, uh, a platform where all of the episodes were available. So, yeah, uh, as uh, Creeped Out didn't work out, we're um, kind of falling back on a, a, just a film that's on Netflix. Um, <laughs> and on everything. It's basically on every and, streaming platform. Yeah, because, because it came out in 2006. Yeah. I, I was so surprised when I, when I realised that. I, I thought it was much more recent. Oh, that's interesting. So I watched it upon release. Okay, yeah. I, I, I hadn't even heard of this film. And then I realised it came out in 2006, which is just a tremendously long time ago, um, really. Oh, God, it really is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, also incidentally happens to be the, the one year of my life that I have no specific memories from. <laughs> what, at all? No, and I, I can't think of a single thing that happened to me in 2006, like... Okay, so, I mean, I was, I think, like, around the end of sixth form, uh, coming up to university, that kind of period. Um, so I remember... I remember watching this uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and now uh, academic collaborator uh, Helena. Uh, <laughs> both both quite enjoying it. Watching it in, um, I think what was uh, like her family house is like guest bedroom or something. Had really horrible yellow walls um, <laughs> that made me feel really queasy and dizzy for some reason. Um, oh right, like actual yellow wallpaper. Yeah, style. yeah, it had quite a profound effect on me. Genuinely made me feel physically unwell um, wow. being in that room for too long. I don't know. Maybe there was a carbon monoxide leak. Um, <laughs> isolated that room. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I do have quite strong memories of watching certain films in that room, uh, but always mm. feeling a bit ill <laughs> when I <I'm> doing so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember us both enjoying it at the time. Um, mm. My GCSE is in two thousand and five, so oh, okay, two thousand and six. I would have been in a startup sixth form. And it's a, surely you remember sixth form, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I guess I don't like have a complete black hole, but yeah. I don't remember anything like memorable, specific that happened that I associate with two thousand and six. Yeah. 2006 just kind of happened. <laughs> well, what you didn't do that year is watch Monster House. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I do wonder if the reason for, you know, this is a fairly obscure film that's clearly 
gained more attention in recent years or certainly greater distribution. Mm. I do wonder if that's because the screenplay is primarily written by Dan Harmon. Um, uh-huh. Pre-internet meme fame of Rick and Morty. Yes, yes. Doesn't not much of the Rick and Morty flavour to it, <laughs> I think. It's, yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, there, there, there's certainly no kind of um, post-ironic pickle content uh, in Monster uh-huh. House, which is nice. Um, but I mean, he wasn't the only person who wrote, wrote the screenplay, so he he yeah. co-wrote it with Rob Schraub and uh, Pamela Petler, and. Yeah, uh, it was produced by Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. Well, I say produced by them, produced by uh, Image Movers and Amblin Entertainment. Um, Mm -hmm. So in terms of the animation, which I know you want to talk about, this was apparently Mm. something of a follow-up to The Polar Express, uh, that film in which uh, Tom Hanks plays everyone. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Wow. I don't think he's in Monster House, uh, I guess. The house could have been modelled on Tom Hanks's face. Um, <laughs> if so, I didn't mm. notice. But mm. subtle, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is a this kind of has what I've heard referred to as a, a Tupperware title. Um, a Tupperware a, title. So yeah, you you label your Tupperware. What's inside the Tupperware? It's a house that's a monster. Oh, I see. So, so not that it keeps things fresh inside, but also pollutes the planet in the long term. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, um. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Uh, so it's high. Co- it's, it's high concept, right? You know. Yeah. High concept, you know. <laughs> there's a house, and it's a monster. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. It's a monster house. It's a monster house. Yeah. Uh, as the tagline says, "There goes the neighbourhood." Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's um, it's kind of set in a sort of upper middle class American suburb, um, and our our main character DJ uh, lives opposite a spooky old house, uh, which is inhabited by an old man called Mister Nebercracker who's voiced by Steve Buscemi, but uh, in this film he's not like, what is up, fellow kids, but instead is like, get off my lawn, kids. Yeah. Um, and he kind of frightens all of the local kids and confiscates any toys that fall on his on his lawn. I, I, will, I will know quickly that DJ's real name is Daryl Jake. Oh, th- thank you. Yeah. Just, you know, I don't, his parents aren't those kind of parents who have just called their kid DJ or like, you know, <laughs> laser or, <laughs> I don't know, USB. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, that's, that's the handle he goes by. His, um, speaking of his parents, uh, they go away for the weekend um, and uh, DJ's best friend Chowder, uh, real name Charles, I think. Uh, yes, yes, Charles Chowder Maxwell. Yeah. Okay, Good, yeah. It might be his middle name. Yeah, it might be. Maybe his parents really like clams. Yeah. Um, um, his best friend uh, Chowder comes over and uh, with his brand new basketball, but uh, the basketball inevitably bounces onto Mr. Nebercracker's lawn and uh, Chowder kind of goads DJ into trying to, to get it back. Um that uh, as he comes up to the house, Mr. Nebercracker emerges and he's this kind of wild-eyed, crooked-backed old old white man and he shouts at the kids, You want to be a dead person? Um, and sort of picks up DJ and shakes him uh, and then keels over and dies. Yeah, he, well, he seems to shake himself into a cardiac arrest. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, as he's taken away by the paramedics, a key falls out of his pocket, and um, this really um, upsets the house, uh, basically. And uh, the rest of the film is kind of a a struggle between the kids and uh, the house that is now definitively out to get them. Nice. Hmm. <laughs> um, um, 
and it's uh it's cgi animated as you as you mentioned with some motion capture um which was pioneered in the the polar express uh, apparently yeah. which i haven't seen i mean it's, um, with the polar express as i said the motion capture has mostly been used on tom the ham hanks mm. um and you know he's got his recognizable um genial ham face right mm-hmm. um so it gives it this uncanny charge whereas you know i don't know i mean obviously i know Buscemi, but i don't know mitchell musso or spencer lock um i mean i know maggie gillenhall um but then mm. z the babysitter doesn't really look like maggie gillenhall at all no um so yeah even though it's motion capture this mostly is discernible in the movement Mm-hmm. of the characters rather than any kind of facial similarities to the performers. Yeah. It definitely leans into the the grotesque in uh, some of the character designs. Um it's very like knobbly kind of oversized faces and hands. Um it uh, makes Mr. Nevercracker genuinely quite frightening when he sort of looms towards DJ and kind of see his kind of red-rimmed eyes and flaring nostrils. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's got an element of the Shrek to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a DreamWorks movie, but it's definitely leaning more towards the DreamWorks aesthetic than it is Pixar. Mm-hmm. Um, I found, um, the, as you mentioned, DJ's babysitter Z. Um, she has a has a jerk ass boyfriend called Bones, whose um, face is a particularly kind of horrible, sort of gaunt plasticine kind of nightmare. Yeah, and very old. Right, I mean, mm, presumably yeah. we're meant to think this guy's in his early twenties. Um, yeah, he looks like he could be pensioner age. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, he re- he really is a what's up, fellow kids character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's taking on that that mantle, um, and he uh, terrorizes DJ's um, cuddly uh, rabbit, which um, puts him eternally in my in my bad books and made me actually quite annoyed when he um, wasn't permanently swallowed by the house. Yes, I, I do wonder, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little, but I do wonder <laughs> yeah. if that was a um, producer's decision. Yeah, it felt quite tacked on. Yeah, um, basically, interspersed amongst the credits are some little clips showing that the characters we thought had been eternally eaten by the monster house are actually fine. Yeah. Um, which seemed like a bit of a shame. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yes, we'll, we'll get to uh, get to the house eating people. But um, if we kind of fit this into our taxonomy of children's horror, it's um, it's kind of set up uh, as a kind of kids versus adults sort of situation at first. Um, and kids not being believed by adults, like we see yes. in the Demon Head Master. Oh yes, yes, yes. Um, the kind of the kids versus adults sort of gets subverted as the film goes on um with the sort of revelation of the the the, the house's true character and such um it's, it's it's definitely kind of paranormal adjacent um but but does better than paranormal um in that paranormal really kind of fell down on its having very lazily kind of stereotype characters um and i think monster house is a bit better at that yeah Um, i I think monster house also has a little bit more in the way of genuine thrills and chills uh one of my issues with paranorman is the fact that it you know it plays out as a series of kind of pastiche references to other older horror films, but it never mm. really feels like a horror film itself. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Monster House is genuinely quite a scary film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to... I mean, in terms of what we've looked at previously, if anything, it reminded me of William Sleater's books. Um, like, particularly uh, Interstellar Pig and that kind of... Ah. In as much as you've got this this kind of suburbia setup you've got this of um mm. and then you're introducing a supernatural element um that lots of the adult characters don't 
at first believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I guess, on some level, it's very much the kids striking out on their own on some level. Mm-hmm. And the way that the kids, right, on some level, they very much are children, but they're also kind of aware of the fact that they're having to step outside of childhood innocence to kind of get stuff done. And they're kind of a bit kind of self-referential and weary about this. Like, oh, all right, yeah, I guess we better step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, as, as well as uh, DJ and Chowder, um, we have Jenny, who is a, a neighbourhood Girl Scout who um, gets drawn into uh, the, the the fight against the house, and um, yeah, I, I think most of the kind of the kind of joy of the, this film is um, is the novelty of the the house being the monster, and kind of seeing the ways that the house becomes animate, particularly like like its carpet acting like a tongue and its kind of rotten board teeth, and and the way it sort of sucks things gloopily into the lawn like it's um it's quite fun yeah and it gives things a sort of southern gothic flavor i Mm. think you know this isn't noticeably set within uh the south um but this idea of the um the house itself right as a space that has taken on a lot of grief and bad feeling um, and that these negative emotions somehow stored within the house itself. Ah, like Hill House. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, exactly like Hill House. It does feel Mm. like a Shirley Jackson story on some level. Um, Mm. That, you know, on some level, Monster House, and we'll get into this, is a film about grief and the grieving process. Um, mm. And the idea that you can't just kind of push these things away or repress them, that they'll find an out. And that in this case, it's the house that ends up um, explosively expressing uh, all of these mm-hmm. bad feelings. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's kind of the, the mystery of the film is sort of why is this house uh, seemingly sentient and attacking people? Um, Why house bad, basically? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, and um, what is the, what's the nature of Mister Nebercracker's relationship with the house? Um, or you know, because uh, at the at the beginning, it's kind of set up to sort of seem that he's the uh, he's the bad party, or. You know, he's setting the house on the kids, but that's uh, not, in fact, the full story. Um, um, the kids end up talking to a to a guy who um, who who tells them that he reckons that a human soul must have become merged with the house, um, and uh, the, they put this together with the kind of neighborhood rumors that Mister Nevercracker killed his wife, and. Um, decide that the, the, the house must be inhabited by the vengeful soul of Mr. Nebercracker's wife. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, they're taking this information, as you say, largely from a character called Reginald Skol- Skolinski, um, who is mm. a local video gamer, basically. Yeah, yes. Um, who does not seem like a reliable source of information um in any in any sort of way shape or form um clearly doesn't even want to be talking to the kids he's too busy gaming um but because of his pro gamer achievements um <laughs> you know the kids really look up to him yeah um so on that dubious recommendation they um decide decide they need to uh, strike at the heart of the house and kind of concoct this sort of elaborate plan with a a dummy sort of on a vacuum cleaner laced with vast quantities of cough syrup. Um, <laughs> um, Trying to get the house to hallucinate so thoroughly that it implodes, presumably. <laughs> yeah, what was the cough syrup about? I didn't quite... Yeah, like, <laughs> I don't really get... 
is cost yeah. explosive. I mean, you think uh, that it wouldn't be, but I, I can look this uh, up. Yeah, That's why I, I, we have the internet. <laughs> They're trying to cure the 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 house's heartburn. Oh, because that's making it cranky. No, I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's it either. Um, what well, what what does the the house's heart even look like? Because it's not like just a big heart, is it? I don't think so. I don't. Do they even? It's kind of just a yawning pit, right? Yeah, I think you're right. Like, I mean, it seems like a bit of a shame. Um, I don't know. I'm sure, like. I'm trying to think what would make a better heart than that. Like a a big like conglomerate of um of white goods. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Um or I don't know, uh an inflatable mattress filled with blood. Oh. Um, but yeah, yeah, I don't think we actually really get to see the heart of the house. Sadly. No. We do, however, get to see the uvula of the house. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so they're trying to get this this uh, this cough syrup laden dummy into the house, uh, but are foiled when the police come by. Um, and I think we kind of need to talk about this the the the, the police scene and characters kind of. While we're here, okay, um, yeah, sure. Um, just so that there's there's kind of one there's one white cop and one black cop, and the white cop's kind of stern but genial, and the kind of the black cop's kind of a hapless rookie who's sort of trigger happy and wants to solve every situation with violence. Um, yeah, and is also the only black character in the film. As far as I remember, definitely. So, so this is Nick Cannon as police officer Lister, uh, and then Kevin James uh, voicing police officer Landers, um, mm. uh, who who has also appeared in the film Paul Blart Mall Cop. From, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, uh, from two thousand and nine. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> um. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, what did you think about? I mean, yeah, I don't know. It it definitely sits uncomfortably. And obviously, you know, we're recording this at a moment of state-sanctioned police brutality in America. Mm-hmm. Um, white on black violence and brutality mm. um, as shored up by a white supremacist state and government mm-hmm. um, you know I don't know this isn't a film that spends lots of time giving us character depth no and I don't know if, say, the inept but well-meaning but trigger-happy black cop is a stereotype per se, um, but yeah. this character is very clearly the only black character in the film, and there's something here about kind of equating um, whiteness with. I wouldn't say reasonable use of authority in the film because that's not quite what it's doing. Um, but as you say, the, the black cop is the rookie cop um, who clearly isn't able to handle his gun correctly. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly like going to be a, a, a comic relief kind of character, but the, the fact that it's presenting the character as very like gung, gung-ho about violence... It's just it feels mm. when you're you're seeing lots of white men right mm. uh, using violence in a grotesquely uh, 
well, racist and, I mean, disproportionate isn't even a strong enough word, right? Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, so I, I can see the issue. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not suggesting, I don't think they thought about this very thoroughly. No. <laughs> Where no. It, uh, um, is, is maybe part of the problem. And, um, and also, as we said, this film was made in 2006, which is not which is not like a materially different time in terms of the violence of policing, but is perhaps a different time in terms of widespread thinking about it. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, It's also, I mean, I think pretty much any aspect of character development feels a little bit tagged on in this film because, frankly, it's a film about the monster house. Yes, yes. It's not, say like with... When, you know, right back in the start of the podcast, we discussed box trolls. Uh-huh. Right? And both of us were pretty upset by box trolls, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, partly because of high expectations, but partly because the transphobia and the kind of trans panic stuff in box trolls is really structurally integral. Uh-huh. Like, it's a main part of the narrative. Like, yes. box trolls as a film couldn't really exist without that. I do think the more problematic aspects of Monster House could be removed, right? Quite yes. easily. Um, yes. But yeah, it, it, it we, you know, we, we're sort of circling the drain, I think, and yeah. talking around this. Um, you know, if personally, I think, you know, the best way to respond to systematic violence is through action and active allyship um, rather than neurotic quibbling, right? <laughs> but, you know, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm very good at neurotic quibbling. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I yeah. mean... I, I, so, um, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, as well as neurotically quibbling on this podcast, I have been donating to, <laughs> uh, to uh, fundraisers um there's so many, there's so many resources going around for like um, bail funds and mutual aid I mean, funds. We'll put some links um, in the, the show notes, but I'd recommend say the Minnesota Freedom Fund, yeah, um, who uh, pay criminal bail and immigration bond for those who can't afford it, basically. And at the moment, is very much focused on um, paying uh, bail for those. Uh, who have been arrested during the protests, largely, in this case, people of colour. And, yeah, obviously, it'll be a a couple of weeks, probably from recording this to when it comes out, but, you know, there's still... (laughs) There's still plenty of uh, organisations that could do with support. It's not going to go away in that time. So the the, yeah. cop, the cops don't get to stick around for too long, uh, right? No, the, they get eaten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the cops get eaten by the house, um, and um, and the kids also get eaten by the house. <laughs> End of film. <laughs> um, um, yeah, um, and um, so they get swallowed up into the belly of the house and they kind of find what they think is confirmation of their theory that uh, Nevercracker killed his wife um, when they see fo- photos of them together. Um, and then some kind of, yeah, entombed horse? God, it's pretty creepy. I thought this was like the scariest moment. They go down into the basement and find this kind of concrete entombed body of um, of Constance's uh, wife. Um that then sort of cracks, revealing a skeleton beneath, um, which is a, a genuinely disturbing image that I was quite proud of them for. Yeah, um, especially when there's been so much kind of muddling or blurring the lines between the metaphorical and the literal, mm-hmm. right? So at this point in the film, I was quite invested in the idea of the house as a body. And so... yeah you know, trying to work this out was quite disturbing. So, okay, well, we've got the corpse of Constance. Is the corpse within the belly of the house then? Has the corpse eaten her? Um, Mm. You know, 
is she on some level part of the belly eating the people who comes into that is this some kind of cannibalistic corpse house belly thing yeah <laughs> you, you know like but i think because of the way that the metaphorical and the literal becomes blurred it, it doesn't really quite make sense you know mm-hmm. you can't get to an exact meaning of what's going on here but that kind of makes it more disturbing yeah <laughs> um yeah um yeah and you don't know kind of if when they crack the the concrete around the skeleton does that release something or was <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> can it be more i don't know it probably can't be more malevolent at that point so but uh yeah they kind of the kids kind of get in, sort of ensnared by slinkies that have been uh confiscated by by the lawn over the years and kind of pipes and then and then as you said jenny has the idea to grab the house's uvula to make it vomit them out onto the front lawn um and um <laughs> we get the, the joke that i did i admit it did it did make me laugh when <laughs> when jenny says they should grab the house's uvula and uh and Chowder says, oh, so it's a girl house. Oh, red. I know, I it's, know. it's so Beneath silly. Beneath your dignity. It is, it is, I do. <laughs> it's a very silly joke. Um, <laughs> and I shouldn't have laughed. <laughs> and yet I did. Um, um, <laughs> and now you all know that I'm a silly person. <laughs> And um, that I'm not. Um, and Adam is not a silly person. Adam is a no, sensible person. A sensible person who made a face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So they they are vomited out. Yes. Um. And um. And here comes uh, the twist, which is that Nevercracker is not dead. Um. Nor did he kill his wife. He, he sort of comes back from the hospital and and is like, well, eh? and um, t- tells them that that the story of how uh, Constance was a uh, circus fat lady who he fell in love with and rescued from the freak show, um, and was so in love with her, and he decided to build a house for them together. Um, but Constance was taunted by kids in the neighborhood trick-or-treaters um and um ran away from from the kids and while the house was still under construction she tripped and fell into the foundations and got covered in cement uh it's all a bit like a plot line from american horror story freak show to be honest um and a bit of a um a reductive portrayal of um, of circuses or freak shows. Uh, there's a quite a lot of, you know, I don't want to get too academic but there's a lot of really interesting academic writing about freak shows. Um, yeah. But yeah, it wasn't as simple as uh, performers were, you know, prisoners who were uh-huh. always locked up in cages and had no autonomy over their, their roles or performance and they just sat around waiting to be rescued. Yeah, um, uh-huh. You know, without getting just pro freak show, it's more complicated than that, basically, as you'd imagine. Uh, but then, hey, I know this is a kids' film, and it's sort of going for a slight fairy tale thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I did think it's nice that Constance is being shown as desirable. Mm-hmm. That Nevercracker clearly adored Constance, and. Yeah, you know, there's a bit of the white knight coming in to save her, but, you know, she is also shown as romantically desirable to Nevercracker, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of nice. That's not something, you know, in so many kids' films, as we've kind of talked about before, uh, fat characters are just there to be the butt of jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's not really happening here. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought, yeah, because, I mean, from some sort of Paranorman as well, sort of, the Norman's best friend was the, the like, the kid who was, he was just 
the constant butter of fat jokes. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, Paranorman was... Uh, Paranorman came out in 2012. This house came out, as we keep mentioning for some <laughs> reason, in 2006. Um, uh, I think so, you just um, can't get over how long ago that is now. I know, I, I really can't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um you're a long uh, way from sick form. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, so I think, yeah, um, I think in some ways this film felt more, <laughs> more, uh, less, less jerky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not as obnoxious as Paranorman, let's be honest. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Um, That said, obviously Constance does become a monster house. (laughs) She does, yes. So, you know, let's not go too far in in lauding this as, uh, you know, the greatest portrayal of an overweight woman that, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yes, yeah, she, she does become a monster house, it's true. Um, um, she, yeah, it's a, it's a shame. It's a... Well, I guess grief does terrible things to us all, including transforming us apparently into monster houses. Um and it is, it, you know, it is a good-looking monster house, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this for me is where <laughs> yeah, the animation yeah. really worked. You know, like like yeah, mm. the character designs are a bit lumpen and <laughs> quite lumpen, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, they're they're not great, but the house itself is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, once yeah. the house is getting all like splintered floorboard teeth and uh mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it looks great <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's a very exciting monster house um shall we texture of the week then while we're oh my gosh yes uh yes we should text texture of the week um because i'm not even in my own own house um you know i've been uh antonia's for most of lockdown so uh but if mm. you give me a sec there's some stuff mm. over here I'll just assemble my instruments. Okay, okay. Texture, texture of the week. The week of the week. Cool, like a rattling windows in a in a in a gale. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I have to give this film uh, a film props for uh, starting with a texture. Ooh. Um, it's a very uh, texture-heavy uh, beginning sequence that I really enjoyed quite a lot, which um, it starts up with the kind of close-up of an autumn leaf, um, with the, the veins of an autumn leaf falling off a tree, and you sort of follow this leaf, uh, as it uh, tumbles around in the wind and uh, gets stuck in the wheels of a, a kid's tricycle. And that's the inciting incident to uh, and a kid being uh, shouted at by Mr. Nevercracker. But uh, I certainly enjoyed that early texture representation. And, you know, old-timey film critics were always about the wind in the leaves. Like, if you read Andre Bazin or Siegfried Krakauer, as um, old film theorists who um, wrote about the art of cinema, uh, they were always going on about the damn leaves. It's, all, it's almost <laughs> like only cinema can capture the movement of the wind through the leaves. <laughs> uh, yeah. And this, this is normally uh, trying to capture something of the way that live-action cinema can preserve the ephemeral and the transient and uh, the sort mm-hmm. of beautiful moments of God's creation permanently on screen. Um, right. Whereas, 
you know, hear Monster House saying, yeah, well, CGI can do it too. You know, <laughs> we may not be able to make very nice faces at this stage, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we can make a good leaf. Yeah, they, and they could. Yeah, they it's could a good them. crispy leaf. It's a good crispy leaf. Um, um, well, I guess my text here then will be uh, the, uh, the Monster House towards the end of the film when it's mm-hmm. been partially uh, destroyed with uh, a some kind of... A digger. A digger, yeah. I was going to say some kind of, like... I was just thinking of Transformers, you know. like I think this is in my head, right? Bit of a digression, but um, waiting uh, for my bike to be fixed up at Halfords, uh, I went to, like, some plastic hellscape shop. Um... I can't even remember what it's called. It's called like the range, but it, what? It's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's homewares and other things. Mm-hmm. And I, I looked around at the toys section, and uh, there was a Farm and Sam Mecca. <laughs> yes, I saw that in Home Bargains. Oh, it was somewhere like Home Bargains. There's not enough yeah. that Farm and Sam, you know, isn't the humble stop motion creation that he once was. He's now. <laughs> CGI Farm and Sam. We've had we've had to go full on Mecha Farm and Sam with him like transforming into a fire engine. Isn't there's Mecha Postman Pat as well? Oh no, is there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> What's next? Like a Mecha Clanger that can transform into some soup. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Um, and he's got a really thin face, uh, the Mecca Farm and Sam. Hmm. No, like, I think like the Mecca transformation has taken a lot out of him. <laughs> anyway, a bit of a digression. I didn't like it. Mm. <laughs> Was not keen on Mecca Farm and Sam. Okay. Um, okay. But I, I am objection I am, noted. I am keen on Mecca Monster House. Yeah. Um, especially once it's been dug away out of it and. Uh, yeah, mm. looks very kind of toothsome and dilapidated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm giving an honourable mention also to the to the house's carpet tongue, mm. which uh, sort of rolls out of its mouth slash front door, kind of scooping people up into its rotten wooden jaws. You've got to love a hairy tongue. Yes. <laughs> as the residents sing, smelly tongues smell just as they look. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, good old smelly carpet tongue. <laughs> it does look smelly. It does. Um, so yeah, but ultimately the poor t- uh, the poor house doesn't get to be very sated um, because it gobbles down all these different people and a dog and such. But it just ends up. Oh, I mean, they don't even get regurgitated, right? The house gets destroyed. Yeah, sort of Nevercracker realises he has to destroy the house and let Constance go. Um, I don't. It's, it's sort of ambiguous whether this means she... Is this giving her peace, or...? Destroy the monster house you love. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like that Oscar Wilde poem, isn't it? You know, each man destroys the monster house he loves. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's quite prophetic, that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, there's a whole bunch of dynamite, and uh, yeah, you got you got to have dynamite. You got like in the the demon headmaster in the last one. They're always mm. always planting bombs everywhere. <laughs> um, so yeah, according to Wiki here, Constance's go- ghost is released. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Good for her. And no. DJ apologises to Nevercracker for his losses. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, the, sort of the film ends with um, DJ and Mr. Nevercracker giving away uh, the toys in the basement that have been stashed there all these years. Uh and um, yes, as you said, unfortunately, with uh, with horrible bones, uh, the the jerk boyfriend crawling out of the wreckage. Um, yeah, well, and and the two cops and the dog mm. and I can't remember, anyone else who was eaten, I guess. 
Um, there is a video game of Monster House. <laughs> is there? Ah. Released the same year for the PS2, GameCube, Game Boy Advance ah. and DS. Oh, I love the GameCube. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you, you basically have to navigate through the house and destroy the house. Uh, so all the enemies are various, you know, household appliances uh, and, and, and features. Sounds a little bit like uh, the kind of forgotten rare game grabbed by the ghoulies. Um, <laughs> which you, you have to also mostly smash up a house. Mm. Yeah, not very edifying, but, you know. Mm. Uh, <laughs> a few video games are, if we're honest. <laughs> oh, oh, Adam, have you played Journey? This is completely irrelevant. I'm sorry. Um, no, no, I've seen it. it's that the, the, the kind of um, uh, desert-based kind yeah. of. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Windy um, walking simulator. Yeah, it made me weep at the end, like because it was so it was so beautiful and uplifting. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so like, that's something I've got to be doing. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid I've mostly been playing uh, Pathologic Two. You spend most of your time trying to find eggs uh, and then trading them to small children for uh, paracetamol uh, and and antibiotics. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's been been an appropriate game, I guess, (laughs) to play during a pandemic. Um, But I can't say it's a very happy game. So, Mm. you know, maybe I need to play something a bit more optimistic. I mean, I've been playing a... Mostly been playing Animal Crossing. Are you st- which... still on the Animal Crossing? I'm still on the Animal Crossing. I have now my favourite villager, uh, who is Bob, who is a purple cat, and I've been giving him a pretty dress to wear, like, almost every day. Ah, But I heard, right, in Animal Crossing, mm. um, when you write letters to the villagers, that I even understand. <laughs> I mean... There doesn't. I don't. I don't really write them letters. There doesn't seem much point. <laughs> the the on-screen keyboard is horrible. I don't voluntarily use it. So you could literally write a letter being saying like you are a stinky head and I don't like you and like they'd be like oh I got a letter how nice yes <laughs> well I suppose it's only one feature well I mean what other things do you spend your time doing in Animal Crossing. Oh well, I mean, you um, you plant flowers. Okay. Um, you try and like make nice flower colours by crossbreeding your flowers. Um, you uh, dig up fossils and uh, try and make uh, complete dinosaur skeletons in the museum. Um, you. Uh, uh, I mean, it definitely sounds very wholesome. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, it's it's lovely. It's That's lovely. good. You, you you're obviously uh, famously in debt to a to a raccoon. Um, what? <laughs> Tom Tom Nook is the, uh, the 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 boss of Animal Crossing. Is okay. Uh, is a a raccoon who uh, uh, well, a, like raccoon, the, a, a, land, a raccoon the land a ra- baron. Ra- raccoon land baron. Yes, who you uh, are. Uh, constantly in debt to as you try and upgrade your house and build uh, buildings and uh, structures for your island. Okay, can you, can you like overthrow them? Well, I mean, this is the uh, uh, this is a, I I kind of you know imagine the sort of if if Animal Crossing had an ending, it would probably be that you kind of had to destroy your entire island to defeat like the sort of the, the enormous galumphing spectre of Tom Nook who's grown mad with power and money okay. and you have to personally destroy all of the things that you have painstakingly paid for um, by shaking trees and stuff so um, kind of like the ending to Monster House well, funnily enough, yeah. Um, yeah, and then you have to kind of, you have to escape from the island with like, and you can only choose one one villager to save. Oh, I see. What, before it explodes? Before it explodes. Wow. That's great. Well, clearly Animal Crossing needs to be covered in uh, still scared children's <laughs> horror sometime soon. 
Yeah. <laughs> um. huh. Right. Any any uh, any final observations? Um, no, I'm clearly just going off on uh, Animal Crossing fantasies at this point. Um, you're you're housed out. Yes, I'm all housed out. Um, I quite like this film. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's quite, quite likeable, good. isn't it? It's quite you know, good. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Like, you know, um, the kids are quite likeable characters. Uh, hmm. does have a very good monster house in it. Hmm. You know, um, yeah, it's straightforward, but um, yeah, I'd basically recommend it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it showed me that definitely one thing happened in 2006 even if I didn't experience it personally well that's that's good <laughs> um I've no idea what we're going to do next um I, I don't know I mean I mean there's been the potential for for a residence podcast still scared crossover um that might be in the works oh my um, goodness yeah I'll, I'll explain that more thoroughly uh, when we're not <laughs> recording um uh, you know, we've got Erie, Indiana, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure we've got lots of lots of tricks up our sleeves. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Well, uh, it just remains to say. Um, I hope. I hope all our listeners are as well as can be in this yeah. in in this time. And, um, yeah. Um, yeah do what you can to uplift your community and mm. show support um, also be mindful of your own health and your own needs um, <laughs> yeah you know these are difficult yeah. times yeah I'm sure <laughs> it's slightly absurd coming from a children's horror podcast but um, you know we're all people and we're all in this together <laughs> Um, yeah, so um, um, our intro uh, is by Maki Yamazaki. Our outro is by Joe Kelly. Our artwork's by Letty Wilson. I'll put all their details in the show notes um, so you can uh, check out their stuff and support independent artists doing cool things. Um, uh, yeah, you find us on Twitter at... Um, at Still Scared Pod or email us at stillscaredpodcast at gmail.com. Do you have a sign off for us, Adam? Um, yeah, well, not really. Um, just, uh, you know, I guess uh, if the call is coming from inside the house, listen, you know? Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, catch you next time, spooky kids. Bye. 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 Oh.